Punching Holes in the Darkness is a podcast by the Baptist State Convention of Michigan. It's an opportunity for pastors and leaders in Michigan churches to have their voices heard and to share how to best reach our mission field from Detroit to the Upper Peninsula. Friends, we want to welcome today uh, One Mission TV as our sponsor here at uh, Punching Holes in the Darkness podcast. They have been an invaluable partner with us since I've come here to uh, the Baptist State Convention of Michigan. What they effectively have done is they took all of our media resources and we put them together in this one neat package that One Mission TV takes care of. They're just doing an admirable job for us and have really taken us to a different level in uh, our media work. Here's some things they've done for us. They've done web design, they can do logo design, designs for print materials, and of course, any kind of video presence and, and recording you'd like to do. And uh, they've really helped us enhance our online presence as they can for you. Great guys, great partners. You will be glad you have done this. They're really a one-call media company, and I think you'll be blessed by using One Mission TV. And friends, if you want to contact One Mission TV, you can do so at info at onemission.tv. That's info at onemission.tv. Welcome again to another podcast of Punching Holes in the Darkness, Baptist State Convention of Michigan sponsors this. And we try to do this to help pastors and leaders to provide insight and encouragement to them. And uh, we try to bring individual individuals from around Michigan and the world and our greater SBC Zion to help, uh, help them do just that, to be more effective at punching holes in the darkness here in Michigan. We always like to try to get someone who has good experience and good track record. And so we've done that today with one of our guests, Jonathan Howe. Jonathan, thank you for being with us, my friend. You are a jewel. You truly are. We really appreciate you. And uh, I have watched and listened more carefully to you for some time and watched how God has used you to help in a lot of different ministries in our convention. And appreciate you being here with us today, Jonathan. I appreciate being here. Well, let me let just give back a little bit of background from Jonathan. Jonathan uh, has uh, served in a lot of different capacities. Uh, he's a graduate of the University of Southern Mississippi and, of course, also my alma mater, uh, Criswell College. And uh, always glad to have a Criswell grad uh, hang out with you. He's worked with our Women's Missionary Union in their publishing area. Um, he teaches and uh i think he's a sunday school teacher is that still correct yeah. are you still teaching yeah. sunday school yeah. and teaches uh, sunday school he he helped with marketing and a lot of different organizations and so forth now he did he worked for lifeway for a while he was the yes. director of strategic i believe it's strategic initiatives for at lifeway he oversaw the content and the marketing for Tom Rainer and Stetzer and I think Lifeway Pastors uh, that yeah. those organs that program and and did an admirable job with all of those and um, he also helps helped to host uh, Tom Rainer's uh, Rainer on Leadership that podcast and uh, the revitalization and uh, replant podcast uh, he is also the co-host of SBC this week with Amy Whitfield a great, great uh, podcast that comes out weekly about the Southern Baptist Convention, one of my favorites, and I listen to them regularly. But 
really is what is important is that Jonathan is now VP of communications for the Southern Baptist Convention's executive committee. And we are so happy to have you there in that position, Jonathan, um, helping Ronnie uh, Floyd and all of the East executive committee communicate and share the message of Southern Baptist uh, with others. And we just appreciate you. you being there with that. With that being said, uh, Jonathan, how are things going at the EC for you and this transition from Lifeway? Uh, it's been good. It's been, I've been here just a little bit over a year, but I've been here about 13 months now. And it's been a different year at the executive committee. Obviously it's been a different year in Michigan. It's been a different year everywhere. Uh, but to come here and, you know, be thinking, all right, we're going to be, you know, big annual meeting planning for that in June and it not happen. And then, you know, right. everything that goes on with all of that, just, it's been a really different year for all of us, obviously. Uh, but the things that you, you come here and you think, all right, this is part of your job. These are part of the things that you're going to be doing. A lot of that didn't happen. So we've done a lot of other things, but a lot of the big things that we, we, plan on like having an EC meeting in September in person, not happening, having a, you know, an annual meeting in June, not happening. Those kind of things that, you know, you go those big game day type events that, that you kind of plan for when you come here and you work here for those not to happen. It, it really throws things off. And it, you know, it's just been such a, a strange year. Yeah. And obviously and all of those who watch and listen to this, we understand that which, which really kind of, brings your position in communication to a much higher level of, of need within our, our convention and, and the executive committee particularly. If we ever needed better communication right now, we need great communication with our churches and pastors and leaders and conventions around, around uh, our, our denomination. So are, are there any things that you have done or implemented since you have been there to try to enhance, improve, or restructure the direction of how the executive committee communicates? Uh, actually quite a bit. I mean, we've, we've redone the entire branding of the executive committee of the Baptist press, SQC life, uh, the cooperative program. So we, we, new logos, new branding has rolled out that came out officially kind of in August. We started using some of the SBC stuff before that, but uh, new websites to go along with that new SBC.net, uh, a church website, a database for churches. Uh, we, kind of moved that separately. We also moved out the job site. So we, we have a, a new job site for pastors and those in ministry looking for new positions or looking for a position. Uh, and then, you know, newbaptistpress.com. So a new website there, a new SBC Life website. So a lot of the new technology, we've upgraded our technology drastically uh, in the last year. We've been able to bring that kind of up to modern standards and what you'd expect uh, from, you know, websites in today's time. So we, we've done a lot there, and we've also done a lot more of our online offerings as far as news and information. So we've started a monthly series with Guidestone, with uh, David Speaker that comes on. We talk about a monthly market update every month, and usually around the first or second Monday of the month, depending on the month. Uh, this next month, we'll be doing it after the election because of the election. So instead of next Monday, we'll do it on the 9th. But David joins me every month, and we talk about the economy and the markets and how that's impacting both just the culture at large, but how it impacts churches, how it impacts pastors and their retirement, uh, and just give advice and information about what's going on economically in the U.S. and the world. Uh, so people are a little bit more informed about what's going on with their retirement funds through Guidestone. So, you know, Guidestone manages more than 13 
was it with $13 billion in assets? Yes, so, that's uh, you know, that, that's a really important thing for pastors really to know what's going on and, and to follow the economy and know how things are impacting the future as they we get closer to retirement. And, you know, we talk about, you know, we should do this, should we do that? You know, what are some good things for you to do with your, your funds for retirement? So uh, that's been a great thing that we've been offered, you know, been able to do with Guidestone. And then also, you know, during the pandemic, whenever, well, I mean, say during, we're still in it, but when everybody was kind of in that lockdown mode back in April, May, June, we did a weekly Baptist Press Live, you know, two, at least one a week, but sometimes two a week while everybody was kind of locked down to try to share some of the stories about what's going on in the SBC and some of the churches and how they're ministering to it. And we had James Roberson from um, New York City on in the Bronx and talking about how they're in Brooklyn, I'm sorry, about how they're ministering to their community and just some different things like that. And, and featured, you know, we had somebody from Lifeway on to talk about Vacation Bible School and how to do that in a socially distanced environment, different ways that you can do it. So rethinking ministry, trying to get that information out there, trying to explain and inform to Southern Baptist about how best to do ministry and in, in the kind of situation we found ourselves in earlier in the year. And so those technology items that we've been able to do, we've seen a, a drastic increase in our readership at Baptist Press. I mean, we're today, the day we're recording this, we're going to go over 5 million views for the year uh, at baptistpress.com. And, you know, last year was 4.2. So I mean, we were blowing past last year's numbers and, you know, pushing on maybe even to 6 million this year uh, page views at, at Baptist Press, which is just tremendous growth that we've seen. So it's something like 20, 27% uh, growth year over year. That's huge. So far. And, you know, yeah. we thought everything had to be paper and it had to be printed before, you know, it was well, You're real. welcome to print it out at home, Tim. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's what we told our folks, too. We we made that transition here at the Baptist State Convention of yeah. Michigan when I came. We moved from the printed version to a total online version. And then mm -hmm. we started video and also podcasts and so forth. We found that. I have found that many, many of my pastors and leaders here listen to podcasts. Mm -hmm. uh, that seems to be a, a really effective way for them because they can take it when they want it. They yes. can listen when they need, if they're in their car, if they're in their office or wherever they might be, they can pick and choose what they want. And that's why we've tried to do this podcast to help yeah. our pastors and give them a little more variety, particularly focused variety for Michigan. And I, I can say that SBC this week has been extremely helpful to me and yeah. as a state leader and uh, to many of our pastors. Uh, and of course, Amy is just a wealth of knowledge. That girl, it, she's amazing historian. I just love, love, love her. And I, I, I love her attitude too. I, I yeah. like that about her as well. Yeah. So she's brilliant. Yes. And, and, that, and that was one of the things that, you know, whenever I came here, one of the things I wanted to do, you know, because we've been doing SBC this week for uh, we're over a little little over five years now with SBC this week. And um, so one of the things I did first thing basically I did when I got here was try to hire her. And we did. And she's the associate vice president for convention communications. She runs SBC Life, which I don't know if you've seen the new version of SBC Life. It's tremendous. Uh, we, we've changed the format of that. And so that should be going out. You should be, should have it in your mailbox. If it hadn't hit yet, you should be getting it soon. Um, so the, uh, the new SBC life is, it's just amazing. And she's done a phenomenal job with that. She's come on. She's just been a huge asset to the team, you know, just with her communications knowledge, her, just like you said, her knowledge of the SBC history, 
and just her spirit in general has been a great uh, asset for us to have here at the EC. Even though she works remotely and she, we see her you know, maybe once a month, we haven't seen her for a few months because of the pandemic. Right. Uh, but at the same time, it's, it's just been really nice to, to have her as part of our team to be able to help us out in a, in a lot of different ways. So, uh, I, you know, we've, we've enjoyed doing SBC this week and, you know, we enjoy now working together every day and doing different well, things. That's great. How, uh, the remote working, you know, everybody has gone to a lot of that. A lot of us have, and remote working has, is, uh, something that we did quite a bit here in our convention. We're back together now, most of us, but we still have found that we can do a lot. We can do a great deal, uh, offsite. And I know that the EC is doing a lot of that as well. Um, has, do you feel like it's been an effective transition for you guys? Are you going to continue more of that? Or are you going to lessen it? What are you going to do? It, it depends. I mean, every situation is different. Amy, you know, she's unable to really to move to Nashville because her husband, Keith, is the provost at Southeastern. So, I mean, we, we can't really try to force her to move here, but we knew that she's valuable enough that, like, yes, you can work there. We'll fly in every once in a while, try to have you in here as part of the team. And we do a team meeting every morning. So she's on that team meeting because we have to talk about what's going on in Baptist life, what we're doing at Baptist Press today. You know, so we, you know, she and I have been used to working remotely because we've been doing the podcast for so long together. So we've gotten a kind of a rapport and, you know, kind of a workflow. I think it really boils down to if you're going to work remotely, I, and I think that's good in some instances. There are some instances when you need people on Correct. site. You need, people you need, you need face-to-face. Um, yes. And, but if you're going to do it, you need to have a plan for it. It's, it's like everything else. I mean, we're, you know, we're going to talk about convention communications today and or church communications and things like that. You just need to have a plan. If you have a plan, you're more likely to succeed unless, or, um, unlike if you're just kind of going at it without a plan and just we'll see what happens. Those, those don't work. And if you have a plan for working remotely, if you have a plan for distance and, and remote workers, then a lot of times you can succeed because you have kind of a, a pathway to go down. And and that that's the key of a lot of things in ministry, not just, you know, work and remote work, but you know, having a plan is, you know, a lot of times that sets you up for a lot more success than obviously not having one. Friends, I want to introduce to you one of our new partners. It is GuideServe. They are our financial partner who helps us take care of all of our nickels and noses, so to speak. Uh, GuideServe is an outsourced accounting partner for our, our Baptist State Convention of Michigan. Uh, GuideServe provides professional accounting solutions to churches and ministries all across the country. And they offer, they truly offer some comprehensive accounting and payroll solutions to organizations ranging from just beginning church plant to large churches and expansive ministries. And listen, if you'd like to know more about them, you can visit their website at guideserve.com or send them an email at info at guideserve.com. And by the way, if you mention BSCM, uh, when you do, it'll be a benefit to us as well. So welcome our new partner, Guideserve. Well, listen, there are several things that uh, I, I just want to kind of pick your brain about, and maybe some of our pastors and leaders can can pick up on that. Good communication. You know, today it is invaluable that a pastor and a leader communicates well. 
Now, there are a multiplicity of ways in which we can do that now, especially with uh, social media of all kinds, whether it's Twitter, Snapchat, Facebook, whatever. There are all kinds of media like that that we can access to communicate as well as podcasts and emails and, and so forth and so on. Yeah, I asked you kind of early on, what are some good keys to communication? Uh, and that, and I know that varies on the media that you're using, yeah. but what would be some good keys of communication that our pastors could take and say, all right, I can implement those principles or practices and I'll be better at communicating. Well, number one is to know your audience. I mean, that's where it starts. You've got to know who you're communicating to and pastors should know this. They, they know that if I'm preaching a sermon to my people, I can preach it in a different way or I will preach it in a different way that if I'm preaching that same sermon, maybe at a state meeting or an, Absolutely. a revival or something like that, the people that I don't know, the anecdotes I use a lot of times will be different. The the way, the tempo, the, the pacing of my sermon is going to be a lot different depending on who I'm talking to. And, and, and that's a, that's a big thing. And pastors, they instinctively know that I think a lot of times they do, but we don't like carry it out into other forms of communication. So first of all, know your audience. Second of all, the content's got to match the audience. So it, they, the audience, you need to give the audience the content, the kind of, kind of content in a way that is best for the audience. So if you keep your audience first and then you develop the content to fit that audience, that that's going to be, you're going to, you know, you're 90% of the way there. And then it's just execution uh, in, for the, uh, the, the final 10%. It's just doing it well and doing it without error and without, you know, mess ups or technological issues or things like that. So if, if you know your audience and you develop your content for that audience specifically, your, your communication is going to be a lot more effective because you're, you're getting, giving them what they are expecting, I guess, in, in a way and, and giving it to them. Well, if you execute with excellence. Absolutely. You know, with today's media, particular social media, and I, I'm not, I'm not going to get into all the political stuff and we don't want to do that. There's enough people talking about political things. Come on, Tim, we, we can talk uh, about politics and social no, media. That's a fun no, topic. No, I'm not going to do it. I've had enough of it. I'm tired. <laughs> no, it just, with social media, I just see, I see pastors step into areas and things that they shouldn't. And they say things that they really shouldn't. And I, and I'm not saying that they don't, we shouldn't have political positions. I have very strong political positions. I have very, I have convictions about certain things, but there are certain places and avenues that you just don't want to go out and say everything that's on your heart and mind. Are there any guidelines that you use because of your position where you are, how you communicate in social media and what you do or don't do in social media that, you might share some of that and it'll be helpful to some of our pastors. I think the, the one thing you have to remember is that you, you, you're never not representing Christ or your church as a pastor. I mean, that, that that's rule number one um, is that you, you need to season our, we need to season our words at all times because we are representing Christ. We are representing our church. We're representing something much bigger than ourselves. And to, to keep that in the forefront of our minds, you know, we got to remember that we're ambassadors for Christ first. I mean, that, that's key number one. Um, and your, your church is full of diverse people. Uh, that goes back to what we talked about like just a minute ago, knowing our audience. Your church is 
you know, typically not monolithic and, you know, homogenous. You have a, a variety of views across your church. You have a variety of views of people in your community. So even if you're just communicating to your church, there are, it, it goes to the community. It goes to a, a larger group. And we have to remember that a lot of times, and I'm not saying that we don't take stands there for things that we believe in, right? I mean, we, we stand Correct. for truth. Absolutely. We stand on the, the word of God. But at the same time, we need to do those and season them in a way. I think that's the best way to, to describe it. Season our words in a way that it's, it's palatable to, uh, to more than just our people. Um, and that, I think that's a key. Yeah, absolutely. When I came to Michigan, uh, one of the things that we found that many of our churches here in the northern parts of the state were established by southern transplants. In Michigan, there were a lot of southern transplants who came for the automobile industry and other reasons for force. And and your state is no different than a lot of the northern states or what we call new work states. Absolutely. And so many of those churches were established with southerners and they basically planted southern churches with southern people with southern culture and southern ideas and southern talk and all that it was an alabama church in michigan absolutely or kentucky church yeah but and it was much more monolithic then that's not today you go in you go into Detroit or into Dearborn in Dearborn you know the signs are in Arabic and English you know it's just it's not it's not monolithic and there are a multiplicity of ethnicities and people groups all around us and age variances and uh, age differences have made a difference from millennials to Gen Xers all the different if you want to divide them up however you want to those different cultures are so radically different in how they think. Mm-hmm. I remember well uh, a church in uh, Florida that I pastored, the last church I pastored there. Uh, it was so different from the previous church I pastored in Florida because it was so cross-cultural. I, and what I said in jest about something could be taken and blown completely out of proportion uh, because they just didn't see things the way I did. So yeah. I had to learn to be very careful. So, yeah, I, I totally agree. And I, I think that's also something that, you know, just as pastors, as you communicate just in your sermon, let alone all the other communications, Absolutely. You, you communicate in 30 to 40 minutes every weekend. Remember to have people in our life that, that show that to us and that our, our friends set our, you know, the people that we hang out with, or the people that we're with during the week, aren't a monolithic set of people where we get into the habit of thinking that everybody that or, or not just thinking, but that living it out, that everybody around us thinks and acts and, and has the same opinions as we do. The more diverse our friend group is, the more diverse our, I say diverse, but the more our, it seasons our preaching and, and, yes. and you know, our communication. I've had to learn to work a lot harder at preaching than I do. You know, preaching got to be pretty easy for me in the South. And uh, my, my, I knew my audience. I knew where it was going. I, uh, when I came here, it's different. I've had to season it, as you said, change it, think about it, and uh, just be more careful with those yeah, things. It's, so. it's an intentionality. And, and that goes a long way. And I think the audience audiences pick up on that. The people that are listening, if, if you go to a church, I mean, you know, like you said, you go to a church in Dearborn versus a church like if you're down here in, um, you know, Kentucky or Tennessee, those are going to be two different experiences for you as a preacher. And you know that and you have an intentionality about that. And 
you may he preach the same text and the same or the, the same principles from the text, but your application may be radically different. Absolutely. Hey, well, listen, you said a little bit about changing your, the branding of so much that you did there at uh, the executive committee, which I think is very important. And I've, I've watched it and I've looked at it. I thought you've done a, a by the way, an excellent job with that Thank you. and websites. Uh, if you could give us any advice on branding and particularly website presence for churches, because some during this pandemic for the very first time, I, I joke, I said, they've come into the 20th century. Yeah. <laughs> this is a 21st, you know, but they, yeah. they just finally made it. And some of them realized that Facebook existed. We literally had pastors who had no email. They had no presence anywhere like that. I, I'm serious. And so you're thinking, okay, now what do they do? And they're learning that, and they didn't have it. Well, if they had a website, it was a static page that had yeah. maybe times of service and that was printed done well, that's 10, helpful. 15 years I mean, ago. That's good. Well, it's helpful. As long as they're but, current. <laughs> but they, many of them weren't. So yes. when we're talking about websites and branding, why is, why is that so important? Why does that well, really make that much difference? Social media has changed the way we consume information. We're much more visual, much more video driven now than we've ever been. I mean, you know, 20 years ago, we got our news, like you mentioned, I mean, you mentioned it earlier, we got our news from a newspaper and maybe, you know, the five o'clock, 530, you know, national broadcaster, I'm on central time. So I guess it's yeah. 630 your time in, in the Eastern time zone. But, you know, you'd sit down and you'd watch Peter Jennings or Tom Brokaw or uh, Dan Rather at 630. And that's how you got your national news. And then you watch the local news at seven or, or six in my time zone um, right after it, the local news. Uh, or and every morning you got, you know, the Detroit free press or whatever it may be in your, your local town, your Nashville, Tennessee. Now, I mean, we're getting information from all sorts and we're getting it all on our phone. I mean, everything's phone driven. So whenever you start thinking about what you need to do for, uh, your church and your communication and your, your website, those kind of things and your branding and why it's important, it's because everything is right here in the palm of our hands and our phones. And it has to be compatible with that. So it needs to be highly visual because everybody else is doing visuals and ours. I mean, it's, if, if yours is not visual or not good, at least it's not going to stand out and people aren't really going to, you know, pay much attention to it. It's going to get missed. So it's got to be visual and it has to be mobile friendly. Uh, so you have to think through everything from font sizes to layouts to what's the most important thing. Is it going to show up you know, kind of that back to that print term above the fold. Is it going to be the thing that you see whenever you go to your church's website is the information that a guest needs to see or even a, a member who may not have been in a while, you know, because of COVID or whatever it may be, is the information that you know they need, like the service times, like the address, are they there on the, on the homepage above the fold, so to speak. So whenever you go to your homepage, that information is clear and accessible and, and really kind of forward. You're given the, the information that you know people need. You're kind of pushing that information onto them. Uh, so those are the things that you really got to think through because everything needs to be thought through through a phone. Uh, your emails that you're sending out, you, you know, you've got a limited space there and emails with different columns and things like that, they just don't work because it shrinks everything down. And so you've got to use mobile-friendly email uh settings or, you know, design, those kind of things. That's why design is so important is it's got to be phone friendly because 
we're consuming more and more on our phones. I mean, I can go back and look. This is one of the great things about being here at Baptist Press and, and the SBC site. I can go back and look at analytics from like 2008 on. Yeah. And I can see the, because, you know, Google has mobile versus, you know, PC based, you know, audience. And the, the mobile, you can see it take over if you look at the different year over year over year. And now we're to something like 75% of our people are, are consuming our, our news at Baptist Press on a mobile device. So we have to think about that when we do our graphics, when we do our, our headlines and the, the point settings, the fonts and all that kind of stuff. So how big the, the headlines are, how long the words are in the headlines, because sometimes they'll break and they'll go down to the next line and that doesn't look good on the phone. So there's little things like that that you've never had to think of before, but because we're thinking about it through a phone lens, a lens on a phone, absolutely, it's just something different. So many of so many of our pastors, you know, did not grow up with the technology, and they've been kind of thrust into it. And so it's it's been a difficult thing, and the financial part because you really need to have help, help people help you with those dedicated things, and and they've had to shift their budgets and so forth, and we encourage them to do that. Uh, to make sure they communicate well, because communication is what we're all about. We're communicating the gospel so that we can punch holes in the darkness. That's what we're about, and that's what we must be about. Jonathan, you have been such a joy to have on our our, uh, podcast today. Thank you for doing so. Thank you for making Ronnie look good. We really, really appreciate that. That's an that. easy job. That's an easy job. Uh, yeah, just he keep it up, please. Keep it up. He's a dear friend. We love him and support him and think he's just a great guy. And thank you, Jonathan, for all that you're doing to help communicate for us as Southern Baptists. You're a blessing, my friend. Well, my friends, it's been a joy to have you here with us again today on Punching Holes in the Darkness podcast. Uh, We've had for our guest today, Jonathan Howe. He is a vice president of communication there at the executive committee. And we are thrilled to have him here. And he's been such a blessing. Hope you join with us again in the future. God bless. This has been Punching Holes in the Darkness, a podcast from the Baptist State Convention of Michigan. If you have liked this episode, please rate us and leave a review. That will help others to find us and enjoy these conversations too. And if you subscribe, you will be notified when new episodes are available. Join us next time as we help Michigan churches punch holes in the darkness.